As I was saying, uh, Pastor Thomas and I spent the last couple of weeks in, in uh, India. We had a fantastic time, uh, but it is so good to be back with our own church family here this morning. We missed you. We missed you very, very much. Uh, we had the amazing privilege of working in India with a ministry called Reach All Nations, uh, which has now planted 68 churches in India. Most of those churches have been planted in unreached areas in India. And Reach All Nations is now currently uh, training up their next wave of church planters. They're, they're training up 40 to 50 uh, more Indian men to be sent out to plant. And Thomas and I uh, had the privilege of helping to train those men up. Uh, we both taught for about 20 hours each when we were there in India. Thomas taught those church planters on the attributes of God, and I taught them on preaching Christ from all of Scripture. Man, it was an amazing blessing uh, to be able to teach those men. I mean, there were multiple times when the, those men just raised their hands and spontaneously just started praising God for the things that they were learning about Him. They were so, so grateful. They've not had a lot of teaching over there. And, and to have some of the dots connected for them and to see some of the light bulbs coming on in their eyes and minds. And man, it was just a, a huge blessing uh, for us to be able to do that. And in addition to the 40 or so hours of teaching, uh, Thomas and I were also able to preach a total of 18 times in two weeks uh, at the church services there on ministry property and then at other gatherings throughout the different villages. And man, it was such a joy to be able to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ on foreign soil. Just a huge blessing uh, to be able to do that. Uh, we'll be giving you a more in-depth update, as Thomas said. We'll be giving it in the next couple of weeks, but we wanted to say thank you this morning. Uh, thank you so much for allowing us to be gone for a couple of weeks. Uh, thank you for caring so well for our families uh, when we were gone. Thank you so much for, for praying for us. Uh, we are so grateful for you. And, and I'll tell you what, uh, the, as a church family, we have reasons to praise God today. Uh, through your efforts here at home to support and to send us to India and through our labors over there in India, God has worked through our church body to advance his kingdom in a foreign country. God has worked through our church body to advance his kingdom into unreached areas in one of the darkest countries on this planet. God has worked to advance his kingdom to unreached people groups in that country. That is amazing. And we were in on that together. Uh, the scriptures say that one man sows, another man reaps, but God gives the increase. So we all have our parts to play. Some stay and pray, others go and preach, but God works through all of that to advance his kingdom, and God will be faithful to reward that. So man, we just praise God with you today. Thank you so much for joining with us for the sake of God's name on a global basis. And man, we trust that God's going to open more and more doors for us to uh, continue to do things like this. Uh, we believe God's going to open um, the doors again for us to go to India. They've already talked with us about bringing teams over to India. 
And uh, man, that's just a great connection over there. So we're just praising God for what He has enabled us to do uh, over the past few weeks. And, and again, j- just thank you so much. We love our church family here. We love the way you fight for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, we love to work together with you for the cause of Christ on this earth. So thank you. Really good to be back with you today. If you have a Bible this morning... And if you can see that Bible, uh, please turn to Genesis 37. If you have an electronic version, you may want to open that this morning because you'll be able to see that a little better. If you need a Bible, if you don't have one and you would like to use one, just raise your hand and Greg Grotewald uh, will bring one to you. Uh, please turn to Genesis 37. Most of you know that I've been preaching through the book of Luke lately here on Sunday mornings, but I'm going to push the pause button on that today. Uh, As I just mentioned, I had the opportunity in India to teach on preaching Christ from all of Scripture. Everything in the Bible ultimately points to Jesus Christ somehow. Everything in the Bible ultimately points to Christ. This book here is the good news story of what God has done through Jesus Christ to save sinners and to restore His broken universe. Christ is the ultimate hero of the entire Bible, and everything in the Bible ultimately points to Jesus Christ somehow. As the, uh, as the Jesus Storybook Bible for Children says, every story whispers His name. And therefore, when you preach from any passage in the Bible, you want to make sure that you are connecting that passage to Jesus Christ and the big gospel story. You want to make sure that people can see the connection there. And you can, le- you can legitimately get to Christ and the gospel from every single passage in the Bible. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, a famous preacher in England back in the 1800s, he was asked near the end of his life to to go and critique a young man's sermon. Uh, That would have been intimidating (laughs) to to have Charles Spurgeon sitting in front of you critiquing your sermon, but Spurgeon went and critiqued this young man's sermon, and and afterwards, a young man asked him about the sermon, and Spurgeon said to him, well, your, your sermon was well prepared, uh, your sermon was, was very well delivered, and your sermon absolutely stunk. And when the young man asked him why, Spurgeon said, there was no Christ in your sermon. And the young man looked at him and he said, well, there was no Christ in the text. The passage didn't say a thing about Jesus. And Spurgeon said, young man, from every single town in England, you can find a road that leads to London. And Christ is the London of the Bible. From every single text in the Bible, you can find a road that leads to Christ. And I had the privilege of teaching those church planters in India some of the roads that you can legitimately take to Christ from all kinds of different passages in the Bible. I spent a lot of time in the Old Testament books, and I thought I might give you this morning just a taste of preaching Christ from an Old Testament story. So I'd like to look with you this morning at the story of Joseph. 
It's a huge story, takes up over 10 chapters in the book of Genesis, so we will not look at all of that. This will be more of a flyby uh, through the book of, of, or through the story of Joseph, but it will hopefully encourage you. We'll start by reading Genesis 31, or uh, sorry, Genesis 37, verses 1 to 24. Genesis 37, verses 1 to 24. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel, that's Jacob, he loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, And behold, my sheep arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheep. His brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us, or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I've dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in mind. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he, and he said to him, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring me word. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in the fields, and the man asked him, What are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. And the man said, They have gone away, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Amen. You know, when you look at the story of Joseph in the Bible, you can clearly see some major themes. There are four major themes that you can find all the way through the story of Joseph. Uh, Let me give them to you. Theme number one that you can find all the way through the story of Joseph is that God was with Joseph. 
You, you find that mentioned all through the story. God was with Joseph. And because God was with Joseph, Joseph had success in his life and he had favor with the people in his life. That's theme number one. Theme number two, God blessed other people through Joseph. Throughout Joseph's life, God was constantly blessing other people through Joseph. Theme number three, Joseph was faithful in his life. Joseph was was overall very faithful to God. He was very, very faithful to the people in his life. And theme number four, Joseph went through some serious trials. God was with him. God blessed other people through him. Joseph was faithful, and yet Joseph frequently ended up in greater and greater trials. On many occasions, Joseph's life just seemed to go from bad to worse, from insult to injury. I just want to trace those themes through his life for a minute. Here in Genesis 37, when when Joseph was just 17 years old, still living with his family, we can see that God was with Joseph. God gave Joseph these two dreams when he was just a a teenager. And, And with those two dreams, God was telling Joseph that his family would someday bow down to him. God was with Joseph from the very start. And because God was with Joseph, Joseph had favor with the people in his life. At this point in his life, he had favor with his father Jacob in particular. Jacob loved Joseph more than Jacob loved his other sons. Jacob gave Joseph this coat, this this amazing technicolor dream coat that he gave to Joseph. And, and, And through Joseph, God blessed his father Jacob, and and Joseph was also faithful to his father Jacob. Uh, When Joseph and his brothers were out shepherding the flock here in Genesis 37, it seems that his brothers were doing something that was wrong, as, as, uh, as sons are prone to do when their fathers are not there. Uh, so the, the brothers are misbehaving somehow, and Joseph faithfully reported it back to his father Jacob. Now, his brothers hated him for it. I mean, he was snitching on them, but he was faithfully reporting back to his father. And then in the same chapter in Genesis 37, when Jacob then sends Joseph out to to uh, find his brothers, Jacob or Joseph faithfully goes out to look for his brothers. He has to go look for them in Shechem. That was a 60-mile journey for a young man with no car. That would be like you getting up right now and journeying to Menominee in Wisconsin uh, with no car. And then he gets to Shechem, looking faithfully looking for his brothers. He can't find them there, and he realizes that they're actually in Dothan, which was another 20 miles. So you take the journey to Menominee, and you find out your brothers are not there, and you find out that they're actually in Eau Claire, another 20 miles down the road. So here you go. A lot of young men would not have traveled the extra 20 miles uh, to find uh, uh, their brothers. I would probably not have driven an extra 20 miles to find my brother uh, if I had a car and was searching for my brother. And I just think all of that shows the faithfulness of Joseph. God was with Joseph. 
God blessed other people through Joseph. He was faithful, but Joseph just ended up in a trial. His brothers end up betraying him. They were jealous of Joseph. They, they hated him. They, they hatched this plan to, to kill him. But after throwing him in the pit here, they, they finally will decide to sell him instead to some traveling Ishmaelite uh, uh, traders who then take Joseph all the way down into Egypt and sell Joseph to a man named Potiphar in Egypt. Uh, Potiphar was an officer of Pharaoh. So Joseph has now traveled all the way down. He's, he's, he's in Potiphar's house. And in Potiphar's house, we see the exact same themes. If you'll turn to uh, Genesis 39, verse 2, you're going to see the exact same themes right here. So he's in Potiphar's house. The Bible says here, the Lord was with Joseph. And he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight. And attended him. And, and Potiphar made him overseer of his entire house. And put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that Potiphar had in house and field, so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of Joseph, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Man, you can, you can clearly see all four of the themes there. Number one, God was with Joseph. We, we hear that twice in that passage right there. And because God was with Joseph, he was successful in Potiphar's house. And he had favor with Potiphar. Two, God blessed other people through Joseph. Uh, verse 5 says there that the Lord blessed Potiphar's entire household for Joseph's sake. The Lord's blessing was on all that Potiphar had in house and field simply because Joseph was there. And three, Joseph was faithful to Potiphar. Now he had been sold into slavery. And yet in his slavery, in Potiphar's house, he was faithful to Potiphar. Potiphar had no concern about anything except for the food he ate because of Joseph's faithfulness. Don't worry about a thing, Potiphar. I got it. I got it. I, I, I will wash your car, shine your shoes, scrub your floors, mow your lawn, harvest your crops. I got it. Just sit there, eat your food. Joseph was completely faithful to Potiphar. So you see the first three themes, the first three themes but then number four, Joseph just ended up in a greater trial. We learn in the rest of chapter 39 that Potiphar's wife was attracted to Joseph and kept trying to tempt him sexually. And Joseph, being faithful to God, being faithful to Potiphar, kept resisting Potiphar's wife. So she eventually accuses him of trying to rape her and Joseph gets thrown into 
prison. And now Joseph has gone from this initial promise to the pit, to the prison. And in prison, we see all four themes again. You look at Genesis 39, 21. He was then in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. And you can see all of them again, can't you? Number one, God was with Joseph, even in prison. And because God was with him in prison, Joseph was successful even in prison. And he had favor with the keeper of the prison, who eventually put Joseph in charge of all of the prisoners. Number two, God blessed people through Joseph. God blessed the keeper of the prison through Joseph, and God blessed all the other prisoners through Joseph. Number three, Joseph was faithful there in prison. He was faithful to the keeper of the prison who didn't need to pay attention to anything because of Joseph's faithfulness. And Joseph was also faithful to the other prisoners. He took care of the other prisoners. He also interpreted dreams for the other prisoners. We learn later uh, there in chapter 40 that while Joseph was in prison, two men happened to end up there in prison with Joseph. Pharaoh's cupbearer and Pharaoh's baker. Those two men, they were working for Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt. They did something to torque Pharaoh off, and he throws both of them in prison. And while they're in prison, both of those men had dreams, and Joseph faithfully served those men by interpreting their dreams. Joseph said that the baker would be killed, and he said that the cupbearer would be released from prison. And Joseph begged the cupbearer at that time, man, when you get out of prison, please remember me. Because Joseph wanted to get out of prison too. So Joseph in there, uh, uh, God was with him. God blessed people through him. Joseph was faithful. But once again, number four, Joseph just ended up in a greater trial. Because when the cupbearer was finally released from prison, like Joseph said he would... The cupbearer forgot about him. And Joseph remained in prison. God was with Joseph all the way through his entire life. God blessed all kinds of other people through Joseph. Joseph all overall was a very faithful man, faithful to God, faithful to other people, and yet Joseph just kept ending up in greater and greater trials. And that is the way things often seem to go for God's faithful people. You would think that God would keep His faithful people out of all trials. 
you would think that God would bless them with pleasurable things. And He would not give them more difficult things. But that is not usually what happens with God's faithful people. On many, many occasions, God's faithful people just end up in greater trials in this life. If you are trusting in Jesus Christ today as your Savior and as your Master, then you are one of God's people right here today. You are one of God's people. And God is with you. God is with you. God was with Joseph, but God is also with you. God dwells in your heart, in the person of the Holy Spirit. God is with you. And because God is with you, He he will cause you to have some success in your life. He may cause you to have some favor with the people in your life. And because God is with you in your heart, He will cause you to seek to be faithful. He will cause you to seek to be faithful to Him and faithful to other people. But please listen to me. Your faithfulness will not necessarily keep you out of trials. Not at all. Your faithfulness might just lead you to greater trials. Some of God's most faithful people on this earth have ended up in some of the worst trials, even dying in those trials. But you can be confident of this. God will use your trials. God will use your trials to bless you. God was using Joseph's trials to to bless him. God was using Joseph's trials to, to, to mold him and to, and to shape him. And God will use your trials to mold and shape you. He will use them to mold you more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. He will use your trials to bless you. But God will also use your trials to bless other people. It's not just all about you. You see, God was using Joseph's trials to bless other people. God was using Joseph's trials to lead him to certain people in order that God might then bless those people through Joseph. Because Joseph was sold into slavery, God was then able to bless Potiphar's entire family through Joseph and slavery. Because Joseph was thrown into prison, God was then able to bless the entire prison through Joseph. And if Joseph had not gone through those trials, God would not have been able to bless those people through him. Man, when we find ourselves in trials, in any sort of trial in this life, we typically only see that which is right on the surface. Man, we see the trial itself. We see and we feel the pain of the trial. We we see the, the people who might be causing the pain in our trial. But God is always doing something much bigger. Always, always doing something much bigger. And God will often use your trials to lead you to certain people in order that God might bless those people through you. 
I mean, maybe you do come down with some sickness at some point in your life. And maybe that sickness lands you in a certain hospital under the care of a certain nurse because God wants to bless that nurse through you. Maybe you are unjustly accused someday and end up in prison. That will happen to some of our brothers and sisters in India. And maybe that happens to you, unjustly accused. You end up in a certain prison under a certain guard because God wants to bless that guard through you. God never promised to keep His people out of trials. But He did promise to be with them in their trials. And God will often use our trials to lead us to certain people in order that He might bless those people through us. So, if you are in a trial right now, look around. Look around. Who is it that God might be wanting to bless through you? Wherever it is that your trial takes you. And we end up in a trial and a lot of times it's just grumbling and complaining about the trial. We're just praying, praying, praying. God, get me out of the trial. 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 Just stop for a second and look around. Who is it that God might be trying to bless through you and aim to bless them in the name of God? So Joseph, he's still in prison. He's almost 30 years old now. When he was 17, God told him that his family would one day bow down to him. And 13 years later, Joseph has still not seen any fulfillment of that. And the book of Psalms says that the word of the Lord was testing him. And that's what it's like. You open your word in the morning, believers, and you see the promises of God that you know are yours because of Christ Jesus, and yet you don't see them in your life. And the word of the Lord is testing you. Will you continue to believe and cling to God and His promises and faith, or will you give up and go somewhere else? And Joseph continued to cling to God, and it's amazing, man, because his life at this point has basically been just one big 13-year downhill slide from trial to trial, from the initial promise to the pit to the prison. But after 13 years, God finally delivered Joseph from the prison, and he fulfilled his promises to Joseph. How did God get Joseph out of prison? <laughs> he gives Pharaoh two dreams. The ruler of Egypt, the most powerful man in the world at the time, has two dreams. And nobody in Egypt can interpret those two dreams. And all of a sudden, finally, the cupbearer remembers. Oh yeah. There's a guy in prison. <laughs> and he, he can interpret dreams. I totally forgot about the dude. And so they fetch Joseph out of prison. They give him a bath. <laughs> they pull him in before Pharaoh. Pharaoh explains the two dreams to Joseph. And he interprets the dreams. And Pharaoh says to Joseph, or, or Joseph says to Pharaoh, Egypt will have seven years of good harvest followed by seven years of terrible famine. And Joseph says to Pharaoh, this guy just came out of prison, speaking of the most powerful man in the world, 
you need to put a man over the food supply in Egypt <laughs> because if Egypt will store up enough food during the seven good years, they'll have plenty for the seven bad years. And Pharaoh chooses Joseph. There's not a wiser man in Egypt than you. Why don't you oversee the food supply in Egypt? <laughs> and Joseph instantly goes from rags to riches. Pharaoh pulls him out of the prison for good. The Bible says that Pharaoh puts a ring on his hand. It was a ring of authority. Pharaoh put fine linen robes around him, robes of kingship. He put a, a gold chain around his neck, a gold chain of, of royalty. And Pharaoh orders all of Egypt to bow down to Joseph whenever they see him. You talk about going from rags to riches, my word. Never been a better story than that one. Joseph is lifted up. And listen, he is lifted up to the right hand of power in Egypt. He has now gone from initial promise to pit to prison, to palace. <laughs> God has finally lifted him out of his trials. And God will ultimately lift all of his people out of their trials. If you genuinely trust in Christ today, you may go lower and lower in this life into more and more trials, but God will someday lift you up out of all of your trials. It won't necessarily happen in this life. You may just go into greater and greater trials until the day you die. But the second you die, because you're connected to Christ by faith, God will then lift you up out of all of your trials forever. So Joseph, he oversaw the food supply in Egypt. He faithfully stored up food during the seven years. Faithfully stored up food during the seven good years and Egypt had more than enough food during the seven bad years. But listen, it wasn't just Egypt that had food. No, it was all the nations around Egypt too. You look at Genesis 41, 56. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain. Now, I don't know that people came from America to buy grain from Joseph, but man, all the known earth to those people... Like all the Mediterranean world in there came down to buy grain from Joseph. My word. And once again, through Joseph, God is now blessing other people. Through Joseph, God has now blessed Potiphar's entire family. God has blessed everyone in the prison. God has blessed Pharaoh. God has blessed all of Egypt. And God has even blessed all of the nations surrounding Egypt. 
Through one man, Joseph. Through one man and his trials. God blessed all of those people. And now, through Joseph, God is even going to bless Joseph's own family. Because God is going to use this food supply in Egypt to bring Jacob and all the rest of Joseph's brothers all the way down to Egypt for good. Most of you probably know the story. Joseph's father Jacob uh, and all his brothers are still living up in the land of Canaan at this time. Jacob just thinks that Joseph has been long dead for many, many years. And Canaan has also been hit with this terrible famine. So Jacob decides to send ten of his sons down to Egypt to buy food. But Jacob keeps his youngest son, Benjamin, back in Canaan with him. And look at what happens in Genesis 42.6 when Joseph's brothers come to Egypt. Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. And the dreams that God gave Joseph when he was 17 years old, some 13 years ago, have now been fulfilled. His brothers have finally bowed down before Joseph recognizes his brothers at that time. They don't recognize him. Joseph accuses them of spying, but I think ultimately he does that because he wants Benjamin, the other brother, to come down into Egypt too. Uh, The other brothers do finally bring Benjamin down to Egypt as well. And once all the brothers are together there in Egypt in front of Joseph, Joseph can contain himself no longer and he reveals his identity to his brothers. Joseph could have killed killed his brothers right then. His brothers were the ones who initially betrayed him. He could have killed them right then. He now has the power to do it. But man, surprisingly, he doesn't kill them. The Bible says that Joseph weeps on his brothers. And he kisses his brothers. And Joseph forgives his brothers. And why did Joseph forgive his brothers? You know one of the reasons? Because deep in his heart, Joseph knew that God was sovereign over his trials. He knew that God was the one who had ultimately planned and directed his trials. He knew that God was Lord of his trials. Joseph knew that it was not ultimately his brothers who had brought him to Egypt. He knew it was ultimately God who had sent him to Egypt through his brothers and through their betrayal of him. It was God. Joseph knew that God had sent him to Egypt and he knew God had done it in order that God might bless and save people through him. Look at Genesis 45.5. Joseph says to his brothers, And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life 
For the famine had been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you. God did. For, for, sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. Man, that's amazing. You brothers are not the ones who ultimately sent me to Egypt. God did. And He sent me here in order to preserve life through me. Potiphar's family, the prisoners, Pharaoh, Egypt, the nation surrounding Egypt. God did. And you know what? Every Christian must learn to view trials that way. God is sovereign over your trials. God is Lord of your trials. Yes, people do things to you in this life. They are not the sovereign rulers of the universe. God is. He is the one who sovereignly ordains your trials. He directs your trials. God puts boundaries on your trials so that they do not ultimately crush your faith. But God is sovereign over your trials. And as long as you think people are ultimately sovereign in your life, you will really, really struggle when you're in a trial. But if you can look through those people to see the hand of God in your life, and that takes faith, you will find some peace in your trials. God is sovereign. Ultimately in charge. Nothing comes your way in this life that has not first passed through the hands of a God who loves you. He's over your trials. He's in charge and He's oftentimes directing your trials to lead you to certain people in order that He might bless those people through you. So Joseph forgives his brothers. Look at Genesis 50, 18. His brothers also came and fell down before Joseph, bowing before Joseph once again, and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. You meant this for evil. But God meant this for good. In order that many people might be saved through me. And Joseph's whole family ultimately moves to Egypt and is saved from this famine through Joseph. God has now blessed Potiphar's entire family, the entire prison, Pharaoh, all of Egypt, the nation surrounding Egypt. And God has even now blessed Joseph's entire family through one man and his trials. And that is the story of Joseph. And when you look at a story 
like that in the Bible, when you look at a story like the story of Joseph, you don't want to just look at the story itself. You, you, you don't want to just learn some little life lessons from that story and, and try to apply those lessons in your life. Oh, well, you know, here in the story of Joseph, I guess God is just telling me to, to be more like Joseph in my life. You know, he, he's just... Everybody stay with me here. We just had a tornado above. I lost half the crowd. I'm being sucked up. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so when you're looking at a little story like that, Yes, you're going to learn some little life lessons from that story. But listen to me. God is not telling you in the story of Joseph, He's not ultimately telling you, just be more like Joseph. You, you, you just need to be faithful in your life. When you go through trials, you just need to cling to God in your life. Just, just be more like Joseph in your life. Yes, those are good lessons to take away from the story of Joseph. It's good and it's right to find little life lessons in these stories and to seek to apply them in your life. But if that's all you do with a story like Joseph, you miss the point. Because Joseph is not ultimately in the Bible just to teach you some little life lessons. Joseph, the story of Joseph, is in the Bible because he somehow plays a role in the story of Jesus. Joseph is in the Bible because he somehow fits into God's big, unfolding plan of salvation in the Bible, which ultimately revolves around Jesus Christ. You don't go to the Bible just to learn some little life lessons. You go to the Bible to see and learn about Jesus Christ, the hero of the story. So what role does Joseph play in the story of Jesus? Well, what role does Joseph play in God's big unfolding plan of salvation in the Bible, which ultimately revolves around Jesus? Here it is. Way back before Joseph was ever born, earlier in the book of Genesis, God made some promises. God made some very important promises to Abraham and to Abraham's son Isaac and to Isaac's son Jacob. And one of the important promises that God made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob was that through their offspring all the nations of the earth would be blessed. God said it multiple, multiple times. In Genesis 22:18, God said it to Abraham. Abraham, through your offspring all the nations of the earth will be blessed. In Genesis 28, 14, God said it to Jacob. Jacob, through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. In Genesis, um, uh, sorry, that was 28, sorry, Genesis 22, 18 was Abraham. Genesis 26, 4, he said it to Isaac. And in Genesis 28, 14, God said the same thing to Jacob over and over and over again. Through you men, through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will someday be Blessed, And in the story of Joseph, we are beginning to see the initial fulfillments of that 
promise. Joseph was an offspring of Abraham. He was an offspring of Isaac. He was an offspring of Jacob. Abraham was his great-grandfather. Isaac was his grandfather. Jacob was his father. Joseph was an offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And through Joseph, through this offspring of those three men, God was beginning to bless the nations of the earth. Like God promised. Through Joseph, God blessed the nation of Israel. God blessed Jacob and all of Jacob's sons. God blessed the nation of Israel, protecting them, saving them from a famine. But God didn't just bless the nation of Israel through Joseph. No, God also blessed some foreign nations and many people in those foreign nations through Joseph. Potiphar, prison keeper, Pharaoh, all of Egypt, all nations around Egypt. Do you know what we are seeing there in the story of Joseph? You know what we're seeing? Through Joseph, hang with me. Through Joseph, here's what we're seeing in the story of Abraham. Through Joseph, through this offspring of those three men, God was beginning to bless both Jews and Gentiles. Both Jews and non-Jews. And you know what? Joseph, Joseph was just preparing the way for a greater offspring. Joseph, in his life, was just foreshadowing a much, much greater offspring. The one and true offspring. The future offspring through whom God would ultimately bless all the nations of the earth. And that future offspring is Christ. Paul says in Galatians 3.16 that Christ is the ultimate offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through whom God would bless all the nations of the earth, both Jews and Gentiles. Joseph was pointing us forward to Christ, the greater offspring. And, and you know, when you think about Joseph's life and the things that happened in Joseph's life, Joseph was like Christ in many ways. Do you know that all those themes that you can find in the life of Joseph, you can find them in the life of Christ just in a much more perfect way. God was with Joseph in his life. Well, God was also with Jesus in his life. God was just with Jesus in a much more perfect way because Jesus is God. God in human flesh. God was with Jesus perfectly. And Joseph was faithful. Jesus was also faithful. Perfect. Because Jesus was sinless, perfectly faithful to God his Father and to other people in everything he did. Joseph ended up in trials, moving down, down, down. Jesus ended up in trials, moving down, down, down. Just much, much greater trials than Joseph. People threatened Jesus with their words, spit on Jesus, physically abused Jesus, crucified Jesus. Jesus went from initial promise to pit to prison. To a much, much worse prison than Joseph ever ended up in. Prison of sin and death. And Joseph's own, or sorry, Jesus' own brothers. Jesus' own people betrayed. Humanity betrayed. You and I betrayed. It was our sin that put Jesus into that pit, that prison of sin and death. But like Joseph, 
Jesus was lifted up out of his prison of sin and death. And where did he go when he was lifted up? Seated at the right hand of power in heaven. A ring of authority. Fine garments of kingship. Gold chain of royalty. And God the Father has said that someday every knee will ultimately bow to Jesus Christ. Either willingly or unwillingly. Jesus went from promise to pit to prison to palace. What does Jesus do now for his brothers and sisters who betrayed him? He doesn't kill them, surprisingly. He forgives them. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. Every person who repents and trusts in Christ is forgiven. Sinners from every nation of Jew and Gentiles through faith in Christ, you, you are saved. And you are saved from a famine. You are saved from a spiritual famine, a spiritual starvation. Preserved, protected, spared by Christ. You're fed by Christ. Through Joseph, God blessed many nations. Through Christ, God will ultimately bless all nations. Jesus is the greater offspring. Perfect, the true offspring. Jesus is the true and perfect Joseph. The ultimate lesson in the story of Joseph is not be like Joseph. The ultimate story, the ultimate lesson in the story is that there's a greater Joseph went through much greater trials in order that God might bless all nations with a much greater salvation. Trust in Christ and be saved. That's the ultimate lesson of Joseph. You don't go to the Bible to just to find little life lessons. You go to the Bible to see and to learn about Jesus Christ. May God help you to find Christ all over the Bible because He's there and I encourage you to look for Him. He's the true, the perfect Joseph. Trust in Him and be saved. Father, we thank You for Your Word. It's a living, living Word. Thank You, Lord, that even in the story of Joseph, You were preparing. You're giving us a picture of a better Joseph. Giving us a picture of a perfect offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thank You, Father, that this greater offspring brings a much greater salvation. Pray, Father, You grant us faith to believe in Jesus, the greater Joseph, in order that we might be saved and be conformed into His image and not just strive to be like Joseph in the book of Genesis, but strive to be like Jesus, the greater Joseph. We thank You, Father, for Your living Word. We pray You bless us with it in Jesus' name. Amen.